the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Welcome into another edition of the Spot Track Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Kravitz, joined by Money Man Mike Janetti. We've officially hit that part of the calendar year. Every sport in some form of full swing, contracts being signed, money is being made, much to break down today. And you got a Thursday night game right around the corner from your house. <laughs> Yeah, no, uh, no shortage of things to watch or attend or or, or do these days. The uh, we're in what the five sport world pretty much every night right now for the foreseeable future and hopefully a nice long World Series to go along with that. Yeah, best time of year for me. Um, for those that don't know, I work with the Orlando Magic, so I'm at every home game. Um, that means it they was like good a- last night, man. They look oh, good. Did they ever? Thirty point <laughs> win against the all hype rockets. So mm-hmm. I'm on like four hours of sleep, but it's like the best kind of sports fumes going right now. So I, I just wanted to touch on this right out of the gate here. We've got a lot of NFL that we want to talk about as well. Uh, some really good quick hits from around the sports landscape, rookie scale extensions in the NBA. We saw a lot of these sixth man types, Cole Anthony, who's right here in my backyard, getting, uh, getting paid right up to the start of the season. So what kind of deadline are these teams looking at it, why was it so important across the league to get this done right now? Yeah, the rookie scale extensions have a deadline of just before the start of the regular season every year. So Monday, October 23rd uh, was the deadline to sign these 2020 draft class rookies. A couple surprises, a couple of lower than anticipated contracts. uh, But for the most part, um, our resident expert here, Keith Smith, does a projection about three months prior to this. And uh, he is almost always pretty much on top of this. But I, I, he did a recap last night, which I'm reading right now on SpyTrack.com. There were definitely some surprises, some players that he didn't think were going to get signed that got contracts. And uh, to kind of get into it here with you, Brandon, I, I think where we're headed with this is even at this level, even at the not even sure if this guy's a real player level it's better just to have contract under term. It's better just to have a player under term that can be some sort of trade asset because that's just how this league is operating now more than ever is we're going to ramp three, four guys into a three-team trade. Somebody will take some part of this contract at some point in time, even if they're a terrible team that's just trying to buy a draft pick. So we don't want any free agents at this point in time. It's what makes the Emmanuel quickly situation with the Knicks, I think, maybe the most shocking thing we've had this offseason because that's a hell of a player. That's a starting caliber guard that did not get a rookie scale extension that's going to walk into restricted free agency, maybe even more anticipated than Austin Reeves last year. So that's the one that stands out to me right now. Uh, but everybody else, Cole Anthony and you know Peyton Pritchard, uh, the, the Hawks player to some degree, it's just good teams getting players under contract so that they have trade chips whenever they need it. And this is why we are seeing the deterioration of free agency in the NBA, because even at the we would call that the third tier level of player, when we get to that that next wave of NBA free agency, even those guys aren't hitting the open market. And teams are realizing that if you've got any value whatsoever, I want you under my books so that Mm -hmm. I can control how this moves um, going forward. I think it helps create more parity in the NBA. Um, but definitely dampens that that July period every year where we used to look forward to that. Yeah. Well, there's um, another. There's another. Nuts, I think the other side really of this, count. man. Yeah. The other side of this, though, is the players have to agree to sign these contracts, right? So, like, let's take Peyton Pritchard for interest. He, that's a guy who's he's got no minutes. Maybe less minutes than 
even a couple of years ago because of Derek Wright, because of obviously Tatum and Brown controlling the ball handling so much. And uh, this guy signed a $30 million contract for four years with Boston, knowing this, because I have to think last year's restricted free agency situation that was maybe as juicy as we've had in a bunch of years, absolutely fizzled out like every other season does. Austin Reeves signed a crap contract with the Lakers. Let's just say it, right? He signed yeah. a, a team-friendly contract to avoid restricted free agency instead of really marketing himself to other teams and for offer sheets. And I think that scared away players like Peyton Pritchard, who probably like the organization he's with right now and would rather have $30 million on the books there and have to negotiate a trade with them, which is probably the wink-wink that they got behind the scenes. But that he'd rather do that than hit restricted free agency and maybe sign for a couple of million more with a bad team in a situation that he might be set up to fail. So there's there's pressure coming from both sides. And really, maybe for the first time in a while, teams are winning this right now, right? This has been yeah. such a player-dominated league and the max contracts certainly aren't going away. But with this situation alone, I think teams are really getting over on these guys right now. This might be a really in-the-weeds question, but also partially while you're listening to this podcast. What has the NBA done recently to create this sort of landscape? Because mm. I would think that that rules have changed, even even if they're just altered slightly, that have become more team management friendly. Is there something that you can think of that you can point to that that has allowed this to happen, or is it just strictly a strategy shift? Well, there's no question that the tax stuff, the super tax stuff, and things like that in the new CBA are are. Telling good teams and forcing good teams to say, we have to figure something out here uh, because it's not just going to be about fi finding four or five gigantic contracts and then filling in the blanks with minimum guys. That's just not going to work anymore. We can maybe have three on the books, probably two on the books, and then it's going to start to get really dicey from a tax standpoint in a couple of seasons here. So there's no question that teams are reacting to that. And if you look at the list that, that Keith has posted on Track here, you know, the, the teams at the bottom, right? The Denver's, the Memphis's, the Minnesota's, the Boston's. The, I think three years ago, there's no chance that they're signing these players, even considering signing these players. But when you're talking about a guy for eight, nine million dollars that could potentially know your system and lock in some, you know, 20, 25 minutes a game in three years, they're signing those players right now because they probably need the opportunity to play those players if they have to move on from a big contract for tax purposes. So I have to think that the CBA is scaring the contending teams in the long-term window. And that's to me what, what has happened here. The, the tax stuff, the money stuff, and to, and to some degree, the player empowerment stuff has shortened teams thinking mindsets. So where the, you know, the Warriors were able to think six, seven years, I don't think anybody can do that anymore in this league. It's right. about two years. It's about three years and everybody's a trade piece. So I think it's fascinating. Um, I do think teams have won over a little bit here because of the whole philosophy and the legality of the CBA. But at the end of the day, you know, James Harden's still going to get traded, Brandon. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I uh, I'll get a bullet on James Harden later in the show. That's about all I can stomach with this guy at this point. So it's not universal, though. Not every player that has a modicum of value has been yeah. signed to an extension. Were there any non-extensions? that surprised you. And and like you mentioned, Keith Smith did a really good job detailing all of this at uh, spottrack.com. So you can go and check that out. There are a couple of names that stand out to me, but are, is there one uh, for you where you, you thought, you know, 
just given the nature of our conversation that mm-hmm. you'd put some dollars down for the future. Well, how about the fact that five of the top 10 draft picks did not get an extension? That's not great for business. If you're talking about draft scouting and thinking about mock drafting for 2024 right now, um, we're seeing more swings and misses than maybe we've ever seen before. And a lot of it has to do with where these players are coming from now. It's not just a college basketball pipeline. They're coming from Ignite and, and some of these G leagues and, and certainly the international players and, uh, there's been a lot of swing and misses for sure. Patrick Williams not getting a deal in Chicago. It surprises me because I feel like everybody's going to get traded. So why not just put this guy under contract and then yeah. you know keep him around? Maybe even let him cook as the guy once you trade these big players in the next couple of months here. And maybe maybe him as a Russell Westbrook type running the whole show actually inflates his trade value. So I'm surprised they didn't at least get something done. But... My guess is Patrick Williams wanted to hit restricted free agency and certainly wasn't going to sign with this team. And similar with Killian Hayes, who I don't know. I, I know he's he hasn't been a great NBA player to date, but that whole Detroit situation with Cade Cunningham getting injured and, and things sort of recycling themselves a few times. I, again, I think I'd just rather have top draft talent under contract right now, especially if I'm not a contending team and I'm just looking to spin my wheels and, and make as many moves as possible in the next 18 months. Other than that, the, the Emmanuel quickly one, like I've talked about, was a huge surprise to me. Uh, it feels like that they're just saving money for that big move that's coming, whether that's Embiid, whether that's something. But my God, how many times are the Knicks going to get burned doing this, trying to prepare for something that actually doesn't come to fruition before they stop doing it? It seems like maybe this is just another version of that. That's their brand. That's what they do best. <laughs> Set up for a monumental shift that doesn't end up happening, and then they've got to deal with uh, the uh, the void after the fact. James Wiseman with the Detroit Pistons yeah. is the name that stands out to me. It's number two on Keith Smith's list here. It's not like the Pistons are overrun with talent, and he's a guy that's still young in his NBA career, didn't get opportunities in Golden State. There's a lot of upside there, so you'd think you'd want to hold on to that. Yeah, and as Keith mentions, he's going to carry like a $30 million cap hold once he hits this restricted market. So he's going to be you know, on their books from an ugly standpoint either way. I, I would have just given him cash to go with that cap and, and, and spread that out over a couple of years. But I don't know. I, maybe he's just an absolute in-the-tank guy bust right now that has absolutely no kind of value. And they'd rather just let somebody else deal with that with, uh, without the attachment of any kind of cash. Yeah, only these teams know the kind of player that you're getting, the work that they put in behind the scenes that usually has a lot to do with it. You said earlier in the week, you and I spoke on on my shows we do on Tuesdays, that that $13 million a year mark, which is what Cole Anthony is under, a lot of other NBA players sign that extension up to the start of the season, that that is the perfect tradable AAV in the NBA. Why is that? What is it? Is there something about that $13 million range uh, that, that makes it, that creates that sort of fl- flexibility. Yeah, if you think about it, I mean, and it's it's not even hyperbole. It's three times less than what essentially a max salary is right now. Um, so it's the perfect complementary piece. And if you're thinking about that midseason from a cash standpoint, you're talking about what seven, eight million dollars the deadline from a cash standpoint for for teams that are looking to acquire that. You certainly have to acquire the entire tax hit at the deadline. That's how the league works. But it's just it's just that that sweet spot of teams that are looking to fill don't exactly have room to fill a max spot, which many teams at any point in time don't generally have these days. Um, but you know, you're talking your Duncan Robinsons, now Cole Anthony's, these type of players that kind of sit in that 13 to $16 million per year range have singular roles, offer really good value, and they're just the perfect sort of 
plug and play guy that's going to get moved maybe four or five times in their career on this number. So it's a, it's a financial thing. It's a basketball thing. It just seems like guys that sign those type of deals become very valuable for a long time, just not with one single team. Okay, so let's talk about one of the heavy hitters here. Giannis signed an extension with the Bucks, three years, one hundred and eighty-six million dollars. I would assume that this is uh, this ends any sort of trade or free agency talk. Giannis was one of those names that we would bring up. We're going to shut that down in the future. Is that correct? It certainly quiets the free agency stuff, which would have been ugly. And I can't even imagine Giannis going through a free agent market. You know, it's just not his style. His personality doesn't fit that. Uh, so be in, let's be under contract. Let's quietly negotiate something behind the scenes whenever we need to get there. And if he has to get traded, I, I feel like it'll be Durant style where we, we don't even hear about it until it happens. So um, getting him under contract made sense. Waiting until the season started made sense. So we could tack on that third year and decline his player option. Um, yeah, he tacks on at least 177. I, I just want to get this out there um, because it's something that Keith Smith has been hammering home quite a bit. Um, our numbers are going to look a lot different on spot track than your ESPNs and your athletics and, and those kind of numbers being reported. We have been kind of, kind of contacted by the NBA to slow our NBA cap stuff a little bit. Um, it sounds like the maximum projections that a lot of people are using are not going to come to fruition and that the NBA salary cap is actually going to be a little bit less than people are projecting right now. So we have accommodated what the NBA has sort of uh, uh, been speaking into our ear. So right now, our number for Giannis is 177 over three years. I know you're hearing 186. There's certainly a world where the salary cap gets it to that point. But uh, the discrepancy is important. And you know, it's not like we're, we're not aware of where this thing could be, but that is what we're being told. So we're kind of erring on the caution of, of the smaller side right now to align with the NBA. Well, it's good to know. Does that mean that those other... Because I would think those other sites are contacted as well. Are they just ignoring the NBA then? Yeah, look, a lot of those sites get contacted by agents directly, and the agent's always going to tell you the highest possible numbers. Right. <laughs> so we're aware of what it could be. We know it's we know what's being reported out there. We're not incorrect what we're doing. We're just kind of uh, throwing caution to the wind with the cap numbers. So 186 is not a firm number. 186 is a projection. Anything on Trek you see in purple with a big estimate next to it is an estimate because we're waiting for official salary cap numbers to hit. So at any point in time leading up to 2025, when Giannis's extension actually kicks in, that number can change and then the subsequent salaries will change. So we do our best to sort of portray what we think things are going to be based on the salary cap for the league. But um, even this past year with some contracts, uh, we had to adjust things at the final hour because the salary cap was a little bit less than what they thought it was going to be. So we've seen we've seen stars of this caliber, LeBron, Kevin Durant, they make a spectacle out of free agency and their availability. You mentioned that this isn't Giannis's personality. He had that opportunity in front of them, uh, in front of him to flex that ability. I, I guess does it just that speaks to the kind of guy that he is. Not to say that those other players are are bad people per se, but they definitely like the spotlight in a way that Giannis doesn't seem as worried about it. No, and I would imagine Damian Lillard had a lot to do with that. Uh, that's a gigantic, you know, swing for the fences move. It's certainly one that Giannis appreciated and likes enough to be able to do something like this. He didn't have to sign this extension. This is an early extension by two seasons. So um, it's it's definitely a vote of confidence in the organization as a whole for what they've done this summer, bringing back Brooke Lopez, bringing in Damian Lillard. You know, we've seen superstar players do this quite a bit. LeBron has done this his entire career. And he wasn't afraid to extend, right? When he saw the likes of Austin Reeves and a bunch of those players getting signed back, 
Anthony Davis signed a, uh, an early contract extension after kind of reading the tea leaves with that Lakers front office. So it, it's a it's a yin and a yang type situation where you can flex that as much as you need to. But at the end of the day, if somebody's offering you $100, $177 million, you just say yes, and then you deal with the pain later if you have to. Right. Let's switch gears to the NFL. You get the trade deadline five days away as of this recording. I get the vibe that this is going to be an active one, perhaps yeah. some big names on the move. Usually when you have a heavy quarterback market in the draft, it tends to lead you in a direction of an, of an active trade market. That's just the vibe that I get. Do you agree that this is going to be one of the good ones? Because that's not always the case in the NFL. Well, I can tell you right now, what Howie Roseman's already done in Philadelphia with Kevin Byard is just the the start of this. We're just wetting our lips with this stuff. And he's not done. You know, he's never done. He's constantly, yeah. you know, you know, hands are under his butt figuring out the next move. So Philadelphia is going to make everybody else, I think, react accordingly because they're going to create this midseason super team. They always try to do this. They, they do a phenomenal job of it. Um, I do think the contenders, because we don't have a clear-cut favorite right now, right? Let's say it's Philly and Kansas City. Both those teams are flawed. Both those teams have needs right now and will try to address that in the coming days. But then you're talking about Buffalo taking step back. San Francisco is now beaten up a little bit. Really good teams need pieces to, to get this thing to the finish line. That's always a recipe for movement. Um, and there's some names, you know, there's some offensive weapons being thrown around. There's even some quarterbacks being tossed around here that I don't think will happen. But yeah, I'm with you. It's probably an above average trade deadline, but the NFL deadline always disappoints us at the end. So don't get your hopes up too high. <laughs> I think that's a very important PSA disclaimer to, to throw to everybody out there. But there are a lot of names to wrap our heads around before I want to get to a, a bunch of names. And you mm -hmm. tell me whether or not you think they're going to get dealt. I imagine the answer will be, answer will be no for most of them. <laughs> if, I, if, if I were to say one team goes into full fire sale mode, is it, mm. is it the obvious, the team that already made a big move, sending Kevin Byard to the Eagles? Would the Titans be that squad, or, or would you nominate somebody else? They're definitely involved, um, and I think they have the most players right now available outside of maybe Chicago. Uh, Chicago is interesting because they got this win. They've got this this Tyson Bagger, whatever juice that cannot um, change your trade deadline approach, but it does. Yeah. Bad, bad, bad front offices are going to bad front office, Brandon. That's just <laughs> that's how, a, how it works. Should never right? underestimate the, no, the Bears. You're right about no. that. Uh, Carolina and the Bears are interesting to me because of the the draft pick situation, because of the, the their current situation in the standings. Uh, here's one for you. Kyler Murray's coming back. And that team is not as bad as I thought they were going to be. And they're now setting themselves up for like a top three pick, which could be Marvin Harrison, by the way, which would really be nice. If they're smart, I'm going to put them in the buyers, the heavy defensive buyers market right now. And if that happens, they've got some pieces like a Marquise Brown and some other, some other pieces that they could sell off right now and be, be a really nice player for player situation that could, I think, amplify this deadline. So I'm going to put them in the sell and buy mode right now because I actually think I like where they're headed in the next couple of months. Uh, but Tennessee, Chicago, Carolina, to me are the slam dunk sellers. And if you want to start tossing the Giants in that conversation, I'm in for that as well. I want to throw some names at you. You predict whether they get dealt or not. Uh, we'll go one by one here. Derek Henry, does he get dealt at the deadline? Uh, yes. 
Uh, that would just be so <laughs> fascinating. To, I yes. need to see Derrick Henry playing somewhere else, especially with this team uh, tail spinning. Okay, then what about his teammate? If, so if they trade Derrick Henry, I feel like these two are correlated. DeAndre Hopkins. Yes. Ryan Tannehill. No, no chance. Okay, so two of the three Titans. Yeah. Let's go to uh, Broncos receiver, uh, whose name has been besmirched by Steve Smith, Jerry Judy. Uh, yes, I think he's one of those t- players that gets involved in one of those buy-sell teams um, that kind of knows they're a piece away, like maybe Houston, right? I mean, Houston, Houston's and Arizona are kind of aligned right now as they're both like way better than I think we all thought they were going to be at this stage. I know Arizona's one in something, but they look a lot better on the field. They do. Um, so they're Jerry, Ju- Yeah, so Jerry Judy, who's got a fifth-year option guaranteed next year, he's not just a rental piece. You can wait on his extension. That's got to excite one of those teams that is up and coming fringe, you know, divisional team like Houston that I think could get involved this and next year. Would the Broncos ever trade him to the Chiefs? Because that's a team that I think needs another wide receiver. They need somebody legitimate on the outside. I know. I know this. There's what Justin Watson, now Justin Ross. There's a lot of uh, a lot of drama in Kansas City right now. Yeah, I don't think that's the spot for him. Um, I don't think it's because it's in division like that. I just think they're thinking smaller in terms of what they have to afford over the next 18 months. Usually the way they operate these days. Yeah. Uh, Zach Ertz, you mentioned the the Cardinals will be buyers and sellers. I would think he'd be part of the sell. I think the IR, he hit the IR with an injury and that probably shelved his opportunity to get moved this offseason. It, it should happen. It should happen because I think this is probably his last hurrah. But no, I think the injury kind of thwarted that whole situation. Can you be traded on the IR? Yeah, but there's there's a lot to it. There's a lot of semantics that the CBA makes you go through, and there's some there's some conditions built into it. It n- almost never happens, so let's just write that one off. Brian Burns is a name that we've brought up a number of times on this podcast. Defensive end specialist for the Panthers. He'd be highly sought after. One of the biggest returns if he does get dealt. Do you think he ends up moving? It'd be fascinating. Uh, because it'd be a good way for them to get a first-round pick back next year in, in a draft that probably has a really nice setup of offensive and defensive linemen that they need. Um, it's a no. I think that's a, that that's going to be way too much of a of an offer for a deadline trade, but maybe an off-season trade. What about the uh, seemingly disgruntled, and I understand why, Devonte Adams, who I'm sure wishes that he never signed this deal with the Raiders. I'm going to say no to Adams and yes to Hunter Renfro. Is that fair? Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. They've had, but they've had Renfro on the block. I saw a report that he's been on the yeah. block for a year. So maybe if that if that was going to happen, it would have happened already. They're refusing to pay down that salary, and they're just going to have to suck it up and do it um, if they want to actually move, you know, save some face with this because the guy's not even getting targets in that on that offense right now. And by the way, Devonte Adams is not going to let him get targets. So let's be <laughs> honest about what's happening. And Jacoby Myers has been playing really well too, so that yeah. doesn't help in terms of targets for Renfro. What would that that would fetch like a seventh round pick probably? If they pay it down, they can probably get themselves up to a fourth or fifth, uh, quite frankly, because the contending teams would be in on that kind of receiver right now. Mike Evans. I don't know. A lot has to do with tonight, both for Buffalo and Tampa Bay. This Thursday night game has big time trade deadline implications because if Buffalo loses this game, I think they consider themselves sliding down and not not up anymore. Um, And same goes for Tampa Bay, who have flirted with being better than we thought. Um, and probably should be selling pieces. I think the plan coming into the season was we're going to sell when the time is right to sell because we have to get off of these big contracts at some point in time and kind of rebuild this thing on the fly. But Baker's kind of playing okay. You know, I, I, I wouldn't say good yet, 
but this is one of those games where he he kind of shows up and you know Mike Evans has been good enough to, to either stay or go. So I, I do think that there's a world where um, Mike Evans is not on this roster, but a lot, again, it's a big Thursday night game for t- trade deadline statuses. Yeah, there's some uh, there's some desperation uh, ahead for whoever mm-hmm. loses. Uh, or really, I mean, it, I think it changes the direction, like you said, based on who loses. There's desperation heading into tonight. One more name, Chase Young of the Commanders. Yeah, Montez Sweat and Chase Young have both been linked here as pieces that could move. Um, I mentioned Young, I think, on our last show. I, I'm, I'm sticking with it. Uh, if they're not going to franchise tag this guy, I think they can do better than a compensatory draft pick right now at this deadline for that player. He's playing well enough. He's healthy. I know that's the bugaboo on him, but um, I'm going to say Chase Young does move and maybe he's he and Daniel Hunter are the big edge edge players that get moved at this deadline and uh, and really help somebody down the stretch here. By the way, if you're right about all of your yeses, it will be uh, it would be a, it, that'll <laughs> yeah, be an NFL trade deadline that, that delivers. <laughs> so, yeah. If you are accurate, we are going to be happy people on uh, at SpotTrack.com. Let's get to our quick hits to wrap up the episode. The World Series is set Rangers versus Diamondbacks. Is Major League Baseball horrified by this being their championship matchup? Or is that narrative way overblown when we get two teams that aren't in? sexy markets. I'm not going to sit here and say the ratings are going to be good. I, I know better. I know how this stuff works. I think it's fascinating that a team that spent $800 million in free agency over the past two seasons and a team that literally built themselves by the draft and actually got here the proper way find themselves in this scenario. I, it's great. I mean, they're, they're both really big offensive teams. The, the Diamondbacks were the best defensive team in all of baseball this year. So it kind of checks all the boxes for what you expect at this point in time. And honestly, if you wanted these teams to be better, then the Yankees should have been have done a better done a better job from a GM standpoint. And so should have the Dodgers. The Dodgers told us out loud, hey, we're kind of taking this year off. So I don't know why anybody expected them to be in the World Series right now. Um, you know, the Padres and Mets spent like crazy people, and, and that generally doesn't get you to the finish line. So I'm perfectly fine with where this ended up. I'm just surprised it's not the Phillies because the Phillies really did do the Rangers version of this in the National League for the past couple of years. And that would have been the sexier matchup. But yeah, the ratings are going to be terrible, but I'm watching. Yeah, Bruce Bochy remains undefeated in Game 7. So uh, mm-hmm. something to look for if they end up getting there in this series. Should be a good one. How many years ahead of schedule are the Diamondbacks? This is not a team that was supposed to be in the World Series. They, they're building the right way, like you said. And they would have been there soon, you would think. But they have to. They feel like they're at least a year ahead of schedule, if not more. But that's all I'm going to say is one year. Um, th- we've been talking about them for a while because of these. Op- you know, they have a surplus of outfield prospects, that, which they still haven't even moved yet. Right? There's one or two trades to happen probably this offseason to bolster this rotation, and that was the thing that shocked me is that they were able to pitch well enough to get here. And by the way, they knew how good they were. In like what May, whenever they DFA'd Madison Bumgarner and ate his thirty-two million for the next, you know, this and next season, whenever that happened, we all should have been placing our bets on this team <laughs> at the sports book because they knew it. That's not a move that any any small market team just makes willy nilly. They knew exactly what had to happen here. They wanted that roster spot. They wanted to bring up the prospects. Things were happening around them that they were excited about. So I don't think anybody thought they'd get to hear, but. To call them more than a year away, I think would be reckless. This team was super talented. 
the the irony of the the sports book part i um i have a baseball betting guy that i bring on my show every week during the heart of the season and i was trying to tell him every week we need to be taking the diamondbacks to win the nl west we need mm. to take the diamondbacks and he kept saying don't do it don't do it and so i i laid off turns out he was right i was uh, i guess i was seeing this uh through the long game so they didn't get the division, but they're in the World Series. So yeah, I, I had a preseason bet on the Rangers to win the division and nothing more. So <laughs> had I bet preseason preseason bet on the World Series, it would have been be living large right now. I, but honestly, the division bet was huge, and to have them lose in the final in the in game one sixty two was kind of devastating. So I'm with you on that from the other side of the spectrum. Victor Wembanyama made his NBA debut last night, picked up five fouls in 16 minutes of action. So it looked like it was going to be this big dud of a night. Then he scores nine points in the final seven minutes. The Spurs almost win the game. Are you impressed or underwhelmed with the French Phenom's debut? I'm impressed with the entire Spurs team. Uh, this is going to be a really fun team to watch. Um, you know, this might look like this might be the Arizona Diamondbacks of the NBA in two, three seasons here. Uh, maybe not all the way to the finals because it's certainly a different sport. But this kid, he looks all apart. The There's going to be some growing pains like this. I, I wouldn't have any kind of money on any kind of awards this year for him. I just think there's going to be a, you know, it's it's going to be a season of education for him, and and hopefully he can stay healthy. But the the whole Spurs team looks fun. Looks like there's five shooters on that roster. It looks like they have some grit to them and some swag to them. So I'm psyched. And by the way, not unlike what I just said with Arizona and Madison Bumgarner, Popovich sticking around for this was the only sign we needed to know that he had some talent and he had some kids that were going to percolate pretty quickly here. So, cause he's walking away otherwise, you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. He definitely seems rejuvenated. He won't admit it, but he is. I didn't even get a haircut for game one. I mean, he's he's checked out in every other way outside of these guys can play and I want to be around for it. Yeah, I'm convinced I spend more money on a day to day basis than Greg Popovich does. Um, <laughs> and we do not make the same amount. James Harden reports uh, they have gone back and forth. He's with the team. He's not with the team. I imagine that this comes down to financial semantics. So you, can you set the record straight on that? Is Harden just trying to collect game checks at this point and Will he get I, traded before November? I, the way I'm reading it is exactly the opposite, actually, that I, I, he actually showed up and, and tried to report to the team and the team told him, hey, we're not going to bring you along for this road trip. So uh, as far as I know, he's making his $36 million right now. Um, I guess at some point they can contest that for conduct detrimental to the team uh, because of the statements he's made. And I'm sure we haven't heard the last of those if, if this continues to be ugly like this, but the 76ers are, are operating without James Harden right now, and that's their decision. So um, my guess is they're trying to keep him healthy, trying to keep him happy, give him his money, and then trade him as, as soon as the proper offer comes in. Um, but I, to me, it's Clippers and nobody else. So to, you yeah. know, whenever that Clippers organization you know, offers Terrence Mann and everybody that they're asking for, we'll get this done. But it seems like 76ers are saying, just go sit over there for now, and we'll figure this out on our own. Sixers might be waiting till Terrence Mann re removes that walking boot. I don't know if that's a prop exactly. or if that's if legitimate, whatever. <laughs> yeah. uh, Bill, Bill Belichick signed an extension with the Patriots this week. I think that that was refreshing to see. I, I'm not a Pats guy, but I respect history. I don't want to see Belichick shuffled out the door. Picks up win number 300 in his career. So good week for Bill. Does this put to bed the idea that he's going to get fired at some point? To me, that's exactly what this was about. I think he gets extended every year. I think he's been doing one-year extensions for basically his entire career in New England. That's just sort of how things have gone there. 
to sort of downplay this stuff. But doing it now was certainly calculated because you can now say, or at least the the idea, right? The the sports radio hot takes of him being fired midseason now have to go away. That that was never going to happen. That you just cannot yeah. fire this coach in the middle of a season. It would be so disrespectful. But they can now mutually move on from each other after the season. And what? There's an extra. 12 or $13 million built into 2024 that he can get to walk away with, which probably has some offset language if he wants to go and coach for the Chargers next year instead, right? <laughs> that, that would be hard to wrap my mind around, but we have seen Bill with other uh, uh, mm-hmm. uh, donning other uh, jerseys or helmets, Browns, Giants, uh, yeah. but Jets this is, for an uh, hour and a half. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> Let's wrap with uh, a celebration of sorts. Andre Iguodala called it quits after 19 years in the NBA. Give me a nice whole round number. How mm. much did he make during his time in the association? This is going to be heavy. I got to look this up because it was a bigger number than even I was ready for. I mean, I know what kind of player he's been. Speaking of role players, right? That carry tradable contracts. Um, this player is just one of those unicorns in the rough. We don't get those kind of players too often, but the number's big. It's uh, it's 19 seasons at $185 million. Wow. So you don't have to be a superstar in this league to make a heck of a lot of money, as you're finding out with um, you know some of these smaller players. These 6th, 7th, 8th, ninth men are going to be making $20 million a year, and that's just going to be the going rate because, as I mentioned in a couple of uh, tweets this week, Steph Curry is now the first player in NBA history to make $50 million plus in a single season. He's making $51.9 million this year, and the rest of that is coming. We're going to have $60 million really in three years here. Well, good for you, Iggy. Well-deserved. Mm-hmm. That does it for today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast. If you like the content you hear on this channel, follow, rate, review, subscribe. We greatly appreciate it. SpotTrack.com for all the latest in the sports contractual world. Till next time. <laughs>